The Athletic. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. Have their warning. They've had their warning. Here's Lucy Bronze. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Coming up, sure that City goal should have stood. Brighton put Chelsea at sea. And United win the Battle of the Skinners. It's Lindsay Hooper here with Kate Borsay and former Lioness Sue Smith. Hello, everyone. How are we doing? Sue, we'll start with you. Hello. I'm very well, thanks. Thank you for having me on. How are we all? Very, very good. Well. Kate looking resplendent in a nice blue jumper, I can see on, on our Zoom <laughs> chat. And Linz as well. It was great to see you in the hot seat making your debut on Sky Sports. And what a game too, City Arsenal. And Sue, you'll have been welcoming all the distractions away from, from what you've got coming up. It's a huge week for you. Cycling wise, I'm talking. So from Anfield to Ellen Road, Liverpool to Leeds. You've signed yourself up for this, by the way. Uh, that's to raise money for your ex Leeds teammate, Stacey Daniels, so that she can get some treatment for what she needs for multiple sclerosis. So bravo to you. Tell us more about it and get your plug in and get some donations. Oh, definitely. Well, yeah, I'm not really sure what I was thinking when I signed up to this. Um, I had to actually hire a bike because I, I don't think my mountain bike would have got me the, the distance. But <laughs> yeah, it's just a it's just a great cause. And obviously an ex-teammate of mine and our old manager, uh, Mark Hodgson, contacted a lot of the ex-Leeds players and and said the situation she'd been diagnosed with with MS it was very aggressive and she needed this this treatment she needed to raise £50,000 and we all got together and we were thinking what what can we actually do to to try and raise money so it, it went from sort of like running to walking to uh, there was lots of different ideas that were, were out there and then in the end they were like well what about a cycle and we'll do it in in sort of relays so we'll do two hour sections because she's a, a big Liverpool fan so we thought well, we'll start at Anfield and she obviously played for Leeds so that was the, the Liverpool Leeds connection and I was like come on guys if it's a challenge you've got a you've got it's got to be difficult hasn't it let's do the whole thing so in the end there's just me doing it and um and <laughs> everyone Angela, else said no thanks I've roped her into it as well so both me and her have decided to do the whole thing and the others are just joining us for a sort of two hour slots so wow. yeah not done enough training but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it like I said it's just You'll a great cause so if anyone can donate anything it would be fantastic how do they find where to donate Sue well, we're going to be putting stuff out on social media, but there is a just giving page again, which I can I can sort of put out on there. Perfect. Well, good luck to you on your cycle. The Chris Froome of women's football will be calling you. <laughs> uh, and we wish Stacey all the best as well. Right, time to dive into the domestic action, starting with our moments of the WSL with now. Moments of the Women's Super League with now. Watch the big moments from the WSL live with a now sports membership. Well, finally, we had a full suite of WSL matches. No COVID postponements this time. Woohoo! Uh, there was an impressive volley by Emma Harris for Reading. Hayley Ladd's flying header for United. 
But for my moments of the WSL with now, I've gone for the controversial goal. Khadija Shaw's goal for Manchester City against Arsenal. Controversial, of course, because of the build-up. It deflected off the referee, Abigail Byrne, and the build-up quite some way away from the goal to Demi Stokes that then went to Lauren Hemp and then to Bunny Shaw. But... Such a controversial moment, of course, because many people said, well, why didn't the ref stop the game at that point? We'll go into more detail later, but I've simply gone for that because it's been the most controversial moment of the weekend. What about you, Linz? For me, it has to be Tobin Heath's goal because we used to be on Tobin Heath watch. Do you remember, Kate? I love her. I love her. <laughs> when would she come on? And then you see that sort of finish. There was one place she could have slotted that ball in added time and she chose it. And I thought she had a coolness to her in that finish that is going to be encouraging for Arsenal fans. How about you, Sue? What was your moment? My moment has to be Emma Harry's volley. I thought it was fantastic. I think because it was the the winner in the game as well, the fact that Reading went 2-0 down, Reading came back and 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 won the game 3-2, but it was the build up, the way that they won the ball high up, Deanne Rose, good break on the left-hand side, good cross, but that technique was fantastic from Emma Harry. So, I'm going for that one. That was pretty good, I have to say. I wonder what everyone else thinks. Do you agree with us, me, Kate, Sue? Have you got your own thoughts? You can tweet us at Offside Rule Pod and at The Athletic UK. Pick another moment if you wish. There was certainly lots of drama and unpredictability all over the table from this weekend. And we begin at the very top. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch all the live Sky Sports action from the Women's Super League. Watch it all for 9.99 with a Now Sports Day membership. Let's start with a big one then. Arsenal's 5-0 demolition of City in September felt like a world away from this cold January reverse fixture. After a cagey hour at the Academy Stadium, City finally scored... Well, it was a controversial opener, wasn't it? The ball bounced off referee Abigail Byrne into the path of Demi Stokes to set up Khadija Bunny Shaw's goal. In the dying moments, the gun is fired back thanks to a newly fit Tobin Heath. Big player, big moment, said Jonas Adeval after the game. So let's start with this one and you. Should we pick up on the controversial moment? This is what we're all talking um, <laughs> about, of course. But when you were watching this game, what was your initial thought as that ball hit the referee? I think quite a, a lot of us learned the rules. Because um, <laughs> when I saw it, I, I looked yeah. and I, I, I actually messaged David Gallagher as well to sort of see what the rules were because I wasn't sure. I thought if the ball hit the referee, then it automatically stopped. I didn't know the rules that I think everyone are there to see. But I think there's a grey area in this. And and the grey area is, I felt that Arsenal could have intercepted it. And also the fact that it says if it's leading to a, a promising attack, and I think it was leading to a promising attack. So there is a little bit of a grey area. I can totally understand why Arsenal were frustrated and why Jonas Edeval came out afterwards and, and you know, was, was sort of saying that, you know, basically that, that referees needed to be professional. That's just another another sort of topic, isn't it? Another story to, to talk about. But I can understand the frustration. But I also think that if you do look at the rules, you can understand why the referee at the time allowed play to go on. I think it was the right thing to do, actually, in hindsight. And of course, we're all reacting to it at the time. And we had guests in the Sky Sports studio reacting and seeing the statements as they were coming in. The thing is, 
the ball was still in City's half. So when you say promising attack, I don't think it's necessarily attack unless you're in you the hopes. in the other half yeah. of the pitch. Yeah. yeah. And I think it said more about Arsenal's defence here and the way that they reacted to it than it did really about any advantage that City gained. There was still a lot to do. That was pointed out in the commentary. There was still quite a lot to do in order to get the ball in the back of the net from that point. And it didn't change possession. I have a lot of sympathy for the referee in this because I think ultimately she did the right thing and let play continue. But I do understand that there were just misinterpretations of what that rule is. So many people, when I looked afterwards, just thought like you, Sue, that it's just an automatic drop ball. And it was it was new news, I think, to a lot of people watching. Definitely. And and I I completely get that. I, I just think that where the ball was, you could see that something was going to happen. So you could yeah. see that it was leading to that promising attack in terms of, you know, the space out wide to then continue with the ball across. And but and, and the fact that Arsenal probably could have intercepted it. But I, I totally agree with you. I think the referee did what she thought was right and probably interpreted the rule right. But there's just that little grey area that I, I can understand the frustration of Arsenal at the same time. Yes, I I do agree. And now the way my brain works as well, (laughs) Kate will be laughing along at this. But I was now reading those rules thinking, don't they need updating? Because couldn't you just slam the ball off the referee just a little (laughs) bit further up the pitch and hope for a, a handy loose ball? Here's the thing, right? Because it struck the referee, the ball changed direction. And that's that's where my problem with this is. It changed the direction of the ball. When it went to Demi Stokes, it could have easily gone to another player. And that's where it's difficult for me. I mean, I'm, 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 I mean, I don't necessarily think the, the promising attack counts still some way away from, from the goal. But my issue is it changed the direction of play. I know that's not in the rules. No one can answer that question for me, um, but there we go. Should we pick up on the point of referees in general? Jonas Edeval saying after the game, we need full-time referees. And here's the thing, for both of you, you're on Sky Sports presenting women's football. There's a huge investment that's gone into... I'm not usually places. presenting, Kate. Well, I'm usually pitch side. But usually pitch one side, yeah. reporting. Yeah. But there's a huge investment that's gone into Sky Sports and other places as well. All of us are investing huge amounts of money. The prize pots have changed. The presentation of the game has changed. And yet the referees are still not full time. And certainly within the next three years, there's no plan for that to happen I think Edeval's got a point, hasn't he, Sue, when he said, you know, now in this season, that just doesn't add up. Yeah, it has to change. I think as the the game's getting quicker, the players are getting fitter, obviously training more. We're getting a lot of fantastic players coming across from, you know, from, from different countries. The level of the refereeing has to go up and and. You know, I I don't want to have a go at referees because I think we need to help them. And I think we need to make them professional so that they can be training every day like the players are. They can have, you know, analysis where they can go in and I suppose they get taught different things, you know, just just to give them a little bit more, just more help, I think. And, And by having that sort of top quality official will then lift the level of the women's game even more because it's a shame that a lot of the games that we're talking about we're talking about poor officiating rather than actually the quality of the game so I think these officials do need help I think they should be professional and the investment into the game 
needs to go into that direction as well. I understand it'll probably be quite a lot of money because I know there was talk early on in the season about we need VAR in the women's game. We need sort of goal line technology and, and things like that. And that's obviously in the future. But at the moment, we definitely do need the, the referees given more help and, and guidance. On to other matters within this match. Easily the best I've seen Jess Park perform in a Manchester City shirt. Don't know whether you'd agree with that, Sue. Yeah. Uh, she was player of the match in this. If I'm going to be uber critical, I thought she worked herself. She did the hard work on many occasions and then that final finish was just missing. What did you think of her performance? Absolutely agree. I, I think she was superb. Young player that you can see developing all the time. And I think that her work rate on and off the ball. I think she's an excited player. When she gets on the ball, you can see that fans are are excited to see what she's going to do and, and what she's going to produce. And that's just the, the next thing, I suppose, in her game is making sure that the consistency in that final third or that final ball or that final shot or whatever it is, is consistent because you're seeing it in glimpses, but can she do it on a, a consecutive sort of basis? And and that's something I'm sure that she's she's learning and she's she's working on. But I was really impressed with her. I thought she had a fantastic game. Did you see that lovely step over she did as she was approaching goal? She just did a little dummy. Oh, it was brilliant. Awesome. Love I just thought step to her, over. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> so a quick one on Arsenal. I think yes, they scored a goal. At the diamond, it's Tobin Heath. We've talked a little bit about how good that that goal was. But return from injury really is the main note here for Arsenal and whether that will push them on to sort of get over this blip period. Leah Williamson back. They've obviously signed Stina Blackstilius as well. What do Arsenal need to do so that they don't get themselves into these very tight situations again where they're having to rescue a game right at the last minute? I think having those players back fit and available is is huge. Leah Williamson, it's difficult to say that, that one player makes such a difference, but she actually does. I think the quality that she brings from the back, the way that she can step into midfield, her quality distribution. So she's starting attacks from defence. And then you look at a defensive play as well in terms of reading of the game and, and those 1v1 challenges good in the air. She's got everything. So I think having her back fit, Obviously, it was really disappointing that she's she's gone off again. We're just hoping that that's nothing too major and it was just precautionary and, and looking after her. But yeah, having her back fit. And then the fact that they've got strength and depth, they've got that quality to, to bring on, whether that's Heath coming on, providing that little moment of, of brilliance, got like Stenius now. So they've got the players. It's just about getting that consistency, that that confidence back up that we, we saw at the start of the season because they've had that little blip. So now it's about kicking on. And getting a couple of defensive reinforcements in as well. Uh, Let's leave that one there. Move on to Brighton-Chelsea. And certainly there will have been some sighs of relief that there was a draw only for Arsenal in that match because the other title challengers, Chelsea, well, they held on to a nil-nil draw at Brighton. They had their fair share of a few chances, but the ball was like a magnet, wasn't it? Being repelled away from the goal. If you just look at the stats on this one, Sue, 26 shots for Chelsea, five on target. Do you think that they were missing some clinical finishing there? Was Kerr the biggest miss in this match? Yeah, of course you're going to miss a player like like Sam Kerr. But I think the amount of chances that they created, they should have won that game. And, and yes, you can praise Brighton and you can praise how resilient they were. Walsh was brilliant in goal, pulled off some, some excellent saves. But I think when you look back and you reflect, I've seen them all in a huddle at the end and in that huddle, you can imagine what Emma Hayes was saying to them in terms of you've created enough chances to win this game. You have to be clinical when you're in front of goal. Pernille Harder was involved in in 
pretty much every move, I think, going forward. But it was just that final finish. And, and sometimes that just happens. And it's frustrating because you come off thinking, how have we not won that game? But of course, you're going to miss a player like Sam Kerr. But even they brought on Beth England and, and she had that header where it's a brilliant move, great delivery, mm. gets in between the two players and you think this is in. And it's a great uh, yeah. stage from Walsh. Yeah. Uh, no Sam Kerr and no G for Chelsea, by the way. They were away at the Asian Cup. Agree with you, Sue. Chelsea really should have won this one. They dominated from start to finish. Chances not just for Beth England. Erin Cuthbert hit the woodwork, I think, as well. Waves of pressure from Chelsea that just didn't amount to anything at all. Let me bring up a huge milestone for Brighton goalkeeper Megan Walsh here, Sue. Player of the match in this one and the first keeper to get 500 saves in WSL. I mean, that's taken us all by surprise, hasn't it, that she's got to that feat? That's a remarkable achievement and deservedly player of the match as well. I've seen some of the saves that she pulled off and, and they they were brilliant. You know, the sort of agility that she showed, those quick reactions and yet yeah, really good a- achievement from her. And like you say, I think it took us all a little bit by surprise. We we're like, wow, 500 saves. So, yeah, long may that continue for her. And here we see, don't we, with Chelsea, Arsenal and City dropping points, a really interesting plot emerging here. The league isn't sewn up, despite what we might have thought at the beginning part of the season. None of the top sides are unbeatable and none of them are unbeatable to mid-table teams either. It's going to be a really exciting second half of the season and I can't wait. So I'm sure you feel the same. Oh, definitely. And that's what you want. You want a, a real competitive sort of title race and also I know it's it's not nice for those in and around that but the relegation battle is also exciting so yeah lots lots for WSL fans to to be interested in. We're talking of the title race let's go to Manchester United against Tottenham with three goals position three in the table may have been settled Mark Skinner's Manchester United side dominated against Rahan Skinner's Spurs for a 3-0 win Vilda Barisa scored off Katie Zellum's corner four minutes later Hayley Ladd flew into the box to head in Ella Toon's cross and Leah Galton finished it off with a tap-in after an error by Ashley Neville suddenly United have jumped to second in the table albeit with games in hand so here we are I'm not going to say a surprise second, but fair play to Manchester United, who've just been, well, a bit like a silent assassin at the moment, (laughs) Sue, is how I'd describe them. Yeah, they've been quietly going about their business, haven't they? And and you have to praise Mark Skinner in in what he's achieved in a in a short space of time. Obviously, built on what Casey Stoney's done, and you know they're they're great to watch, scoring lots of goals, not conceding many. And I know that that's something he wants to do, isn't it? He wants to play exciting, an exciting brand of football. He likes to to build from the back, which I know early on in the season we criticised a little bit and said they were getting caught in possession, but that's his way. He's stuck with it, and the players are really getting used to it. And yeah, they're, they're, they're doing really well and putting pressure on the, the teams in and around them. Six consecutive wins and six consecutive clean sheets. We cannot play that down. That is huge for Manchester yeah. United right now. And I know that, as Kate mentioned, there are some games in hand. But we're often told in football, Sue, that get the points on the board, let everyone else worry about doing the catching up. So have we got a disruptor here? Could could it not be a 1-2 Arsenal-Chelsea as we've thought all through the season so far? 
well, how exciting would that be? I think that is. We, we all thought it, it was going to be Arsenal-Chelsea, what order that was going to be. But now we've got Manchester United. And like you say, it's important to get the points on the board. Everybody else has then got to try and, and get those points. So they're certainly a team that, that you can see developing all the time. They're, they're progressing, like their style's progressing under Mark Skinner. And, and they're a team that are really confident. And I think they believe that they can probably upset that, that top two. Whether he'll think it's a little bit quicker than expected, but he'll certainly take it. So frustrating game for Spurs. Last week, they dropped points late on against West Ham. In this one, Rahan Skinner would have been particularly upset, I think, by the manner in which they conceded all three of the goals. Defensive errors, poor marking. That's what Rahan Skinner's addressed or addressed so well, certainly at the beginning of the season. How does she press the reset button? How does Spurs get back to doing what they've you know, been able to build on so far? Well, Rahan Skinner, another manager that you know, I, I rate very highly and has done a fantastic job with with Tottenham and, and where they've come to, to work or where they were to where they are now. Um, she'll be so disappointed. She'll be absolutely furious with the, the way that they conceded some of those goals. Because, again, when you look at a Rianne Skinner side, a Tottenham side, the first thing that I would say is defensively very well organised. They're set up well. They're good at defending set pieces. They work really hard. And, you know, obviously the, the goals in particular stood out as as not being as organised as, as what you would normally expect. So, yeah, I think you just say go back to, to what we've been doing all season and how we've been so successful because they have been organised, resilient and then a, a threat going forward. I know she wants them to be more of a threat, but they do have that now. So, yeah, it, it, a blip for her. Praise Manchester United, but she'll be disappointed with the results and, and the manner of conceding those goals, I think. The win was dedicated to Manchester United's Millie Turner. That's another bit of news coming out of the club this week. She's been ruled out for an indefinite period because of an issue with an artery in her neck, um, which no one was expecting that news to come out of the club. So we wish her well in a speedy recovery. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. On to Leicester against Aston Villa and a huge one at the bottom this. After Aston Villa and Leicester exchanged own goals from corners, there was a frantic 15 minutes where both sides had chances to win the game, but the ball deflected into the path of Alicia Lehman, who produced a late injury time winner to make it 2-1 and it may end up being a crucial goal for Villa. Do you think that's going to be the case soon? I think so. After losing, was it four on the bounce? I think it was really important that they got that win and you could see how much it meant to, to Carla Ward. I think she she runs sort of 30 yards. I've never seen her run as quick at the end of the game, just because I, I'm allowed to say that because I've played alongside her. But yeah, she, she was so excited and so pleased and probably so relieved as well to, to get that that sort of win against your rivals as well. So yeah, it's a, a big three points that for Villa. Yeah, this was a must win for Villa, really. To lose was to see Leicester move within one point of them. To win, so crucial, means they go seven clear of the bottom two. Villa's first win since November just makes it all the more tasty, doesn't it? Mm. (laughs) And it looks like they've gone and strengthened further, getting Jill Scott in midfield, Sue. What a signing that is. And credit Jill as well. The fact that she knows she's not maybe going to get as much game time as she wants for Manchester City. Done exactly what she did last season. Gone out on loan. She's going to get game time. And all of that, that experience and quality that she's going to bring to the Aston Villa side. I think it's a great signing for them. And and like I say, fair play to, to Jill because she wants that game time. She wants to continue playing for England. 
Well, let's expand this conversation about the relegation battle a little further and pick up on Reading, who beat Birmingham 3-2. A Gemma Lawley header off Lucy Quinn's corner and a goal from Jay Pinnock gave Birmingham an early lead against Reading. But the home side fought back 3-2 the final score thanks to Justine van Havermaat's header off a free kick and Natasha Dowie penalty after Viatriki Sari fouled Emma Harries and, as we've said, an impressive volley from Harry's. What do we make of this one? I mean, plaudits to Reading on this one, Sue, but just for Birmingham to give away a two-goal lead like that, pretty unusual, isn't it? Oh, again, they'll be they'll be furious. I watched them against Arsenal and they were absolutely brilliant. Everything about them. And and I just thought they've definitely got enough to, to stay up here. Bisari stands out, Quinn stands out, Pennock stands out. You know, a lot of those players that you know, we've watched throughout the season. They're really sort of, I don't know, they've got that real grip between their teeth and, and desperation, I suppose, at the moment to, to make them them stay up. And they were brilliant. Then they lost to Man United, a convincing loss. And then you go 2-0 up against Reading, you have to hold on to that yeah. lead. So they'll be so disappointed to um, to have lost that game. Before we move on to West Ham, Everton, a fourth consecutive win for Reading and that is a new WSL record for them. Things going very well. Kelly Chambers doing what she always does and manages to do. On next then to the final game that we've got, West Ham against Everton and West Ham goals and buses have a lot in common. (laughs) They all come along at once because against Everton, they managed to score three. Hannah Benison and Valerie Govan hit the woodwork early on for Everton, but it was three close range goals that made the difference from Katarina Svitkova, Danny brignaz and Claudia Walker. Some brilliant work from West Ham here to get three goals against Everton. Does it say more about the form that West Ham are in, Sue, or how poor Everton have been lately? I suppose it's, it's a combination. I think when you watch this game, you see that Everton have two really good chances at, at nil-nil, hit the woodwork. You think if they'd have gone in, could that uh, have been a different game? But again, I've been really impressed with West Ham and, and their progression under Ollie Harder. I think Brynja's Dottier, superb, adapted to the WSL so well. You know, real athlete that can get forward and, and get your goals. She'll also get back and, and defend. Walker up top works so hard for them. You've then got Lisa Evans again, who's who's an impressive signing. I think he's done a really good job in terms of making them more organised then having that threat going forward again, that's another side that probably want more goals and need more goals in the side. But to to score three and keep a clean sheet against an Everton side that we were all predicting would good, would finish in the top mm. three or four this season with a good quality team, I think it's a, a very good result for them. And and Everton just haven't clicked, have they? All these no, players that have it's not worked. They've been they've been so frustrating. Let's sum up then some of the midweek action in the Continental Cup quarterfinals. West Ham lost 4-2 to Chelsea. The big upset was Manchester United knocking out Arsenal with a 1-0 win, thanks to an 85th minute goal from Alessia Russo. In the other ties, Manchester City beat Bristol City 3-1 and Spurs beat Championship side Liverpool 1-0. One thing to pick up on, I don't want to spend too long on this, other than to say they should have done better. And that was the headline written in The Sun about the Chelsea game because of the scorers involved. The headline was Cuthbert Harder. Chelsea scorers sound like posh people having sex. Erin Cuthbert rightly called it out on Twitter saying to actually run with a story like this is extremely disturbing and embarrassing. Just you know, read the room, please, whoever wrote that article. Uh, I don't want to name check you because it might not have been your fault entirely. But um, <laughs> I thought that those 
days were behind us. It just seems bizarre. Well, and you know what, Kate, if they're not behind us, and, and I don't know Sue's opinion on this, we'll get it, but if they're not behind us, then what you have to do is you have to weigh up the content that you give a certain sport. So in the men's game, we know that their private lives and other different things end up on front pages. But look at the amount of column inches and space that the men's game gets in a paper like The Sun. Have we ever really seen women's football get any any coverage other than this sort of nonsense? And I think that's the, the huge driver here. It's like, if you want to have a laugh or you think that you're funny, you've got to actually help elevate the women's game in the first place by covering the actual match, don't well, you? Well, it doesn't set the right tone. And I would argue the women's game is getting a lot more coverage now. You, you know, all the big papers are covering it, not with the same amount of column inches, um, but this is not the kind of coverage that any of us welcome. So no. it's just not funny, is it? No, it's not funny. It's it's, it's not exclusive. No, <laughs> oh no, 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 definitely no, not exclusive either as the article was billed. Yeah, I, and I just think what, you know, the, the positive side to all this is the amount of people that have picked up on it and, and don't like it and have talked about it, whether that's players, whether that's managers, former players, whether that's other media outlets, you know, that have actually picked up on it and gone, no, this isn't right, this isn't acceptable and, and nobody finds it funny anymore. So, yeah, I thought we'd moved on as well. Somebody just clearly trying to, or or thinking that they're funny and no one's laughing. No, we certainly aren't. And that article was <laughs> after the Conti Cup quarterfinals. Uh, the draw has been made for the semis. They're going to take place on the 2nd and 3rd of February. Chelsea will end up playing Manchester United. Man City facing Spurs. And we can't wait for those. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast with me, Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Sue Smith. Now, in the transfer window, we mentioned already Jill Scott's move. Carly Telford has also been signed by Casey Stoney's San Diego Wave from Chelsea. She did a lovely parting interview with Chelsea TV. The window closes on Thursday, so let's see if there's a late flurry of action. And in the Championship, the takeover of Coventry United was completed. We're still waiting to see what will happen about that 10-point deduction. Coming up this week, we've got two rescheduled WSL games midweek. Chelsea play West Ham in a rematch of last week's Conti Cup quarterfinal and Arsenal face Brighton. On the weekend, it's the FA Cup fourth round where the WSL teams enter the competition. Thankfully, for all concerned, including us doing this show, there's no more of playing last season's FA Cup this season. That's all gone. <laughs> it is the 21-22 FA Cup season and that only. To get a sense of what's been happening up until the fourth round, we spoke to two players who've been part of it. Lizgard AFC's Chloe Williams is still the top scorer in the competition. She's got 12 goals, despite her team being knocked out in the first round proper. And Dawn Peace has played over 25 seasons. That's even longer than you did, Sue. The Chesham <laughs> United first team who made it to the third round. Chloe and Dawn caught up with Kate earlier. A warm welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast to both of you. Chloe Williams, a striker for Lisgard AFC, and Dawn Pierce, defender and captain of Chesham United. Chloe, you first of all, if that's okay, tell us a bit about yourself and how long you've been playing for Lisgard for. Yeah, so obviously I'm a Chloe, play for Lisgard, I'm their striker. We're a newly formed team. Uh, we used to be known as Callington Ladies, but then there was a few sort of backstage issues which then led us to become in. Liscard ladies, which this is our first season as Liscard, so we've not been running long whatsoever. And have you always played striker? Have you always played as a number nine? 
I know I used I started off as a midfielder and then somehow made my way right up to the top so <laughs> when you say somehow made your way right to the top we need to talk about this very special record that you hold despite being knocked out in the first round proper of the women's FA Cup you're still the top scorer for the competition this season I know it's beyond me as well which shock, still shocks me to this day honestly <laughs> Tell us about some of these goals. So, so basically, twelve goals scored, all heading up to the first round, I suppose. Yes. Um, just take us through some of them. So, three games where you knocked yeah. these goals up. So, our very first game, which was against uh, the Callington Ladies team, we beat them. I think it was about twenty-eight nil. <laughs> so, a majority of the goals did come from that game. I must admit. But yeah, and then obviously in the Ottery game, we then. Uh, we beat them, I believe it was like 11-0. So again, a few goals in them. And then come the last one against Axminster, I believe it was, we beat them 4-2. So majority were within the first couple of games. So you've pretty much scored kind of a third or a quarter of the goals in every game. Seven goals in that first one, three in the second game, two in that third game, which was, you know, a much narrower 4-0 win. Yes, <laughs> Tell me what your secret is. Is it something in your breakfast? Is it something in your preparation? Honestly, I guess it's more just sort of believing in myself because I always used to say, you know, I'm one of those strikers that don't score. Yeah, a random, game, a random game will come along and then I'll bash out like three, four, five goals. Honestly, it's just believing in myself and that I can do it. Um, how long have you pe- been playing for, Chloe? Oh, since the age of five. And how old long are you now? To, I am 24 now. <laughs> Long old time. <laughs> Let's say hello to Dawn as well. Dawn, you've been involved at Chesham United since the very beginning. I think our listeners might be quite shocked about how it all started. Tell us the story. Yeah, I, I was played for Chesham Youth. And um, so I got to the point where I was then going to be moving up. So um, the ladies team, they came down and um, had a look at a few players. Said, yeah, we're quite keen for you to play. So went along to a few training sessions and um, yeah, it kind of started from there. So yeah, I was 17, I think it was, for the, for the ladies team. Um, yeah, it was quite a, quite a, our first game, I think it was like a local rivalry against uh, Risborough. And a few of the players from my youth team had gone there. And then, yeah, there was a bit of a game. Something had happened on the, with someone on the sideline and our goalkeeper and our goalkeeper decided to turn around and moon the crowds. So after the game, I was a bit like, hmm, <laughs> I quite like playing football. I'm not, this is not really me. So I said to Lisa, the manager who was starting up, I was like, look, I'm happy to play, but there's a few players that that's just not me. If, if they play, I'm not, basically. So it kind of, they had a bit of a clear out of the players that didn't take it so seriously, shall we say. <laughs> and um, yeah, the rest is history. And still there now and going, well, I wouldn't say going strong, but still going. <laughs> You made it up to the third round, didn't you, of the FA Cup? We did. Um, which is which is commendable. Um, just picking up on your last answer, I, I love the fact that a goalkeeper mooning a member of the crowd is a reason why you've had this brilliant football career. There, there was a quote, <laughs> quote that I pulled out from your manager, Lisa. Yeah. She said um, that basically back in the day before your arrival, she said, you know what it's like when you start up a football club. Half the players are drunk. The other half don't don't turn up and you're lucky if you get 11 out there. And <laughs> I, I absolutely howled at that because, of course, that isn't the impression we have of women's football at all today, is it? Yeah. It's, quite, it's quite hard to imagine it like that. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of the case of 
the half time was they sit around in a circle and have a cigarette. <laughs> I'm just like, it was going, whereas say now you look at it 25 years on scarily and it's just, yeah, completely different, so much more professional and just, yeah, completely different caliber of players as well, more than just sort of, yeah, rolling up on a Sunday to have a bit of a kick about, you're sort of turning up to, you take it very seriously and obviously you want to win and you, you sort of play the best you can rather than, yeah, hindering yourself by a half-time cigarette. <laughs> Well done you for setting the standard. Um, Cheshire United are in the tier four of women's football. And as I said, you made it to the third round proper. Um, and that's the furthest you've ever got, isn't it, in the competition? It is, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it was really good. And, and everyone was up for it. We got a bit of a, a rude awakening in that. Time, but um, yeah, it was great experience for the club. Great experience for all the girls playing. So yeah, no, it was really good. Has that given you a boost? Yeah, it's given us a boost in the sense of it was fantastic to have a nice run in the FA Cup, get a bit of money for the club which, of course, in ladies' football is great. So sort of anything you can get in is brilliant. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was good. And so everyone, was, everyone really enjoyed it. You get a few extra spectators and things as well. So it's nicer to play in a bit of a bigger crowd and things like that. So, yeah, it was great. Have you seen Dawn interest in the FA Cup and in your matches increase? I mean, you've been involved in the club for 25 years. You're in a great position to be able to tell us how things have changed and actually whether some of the changes we've seen at the in the top tier and the second tier have have actually filtered down to the to the lower tiers as well whether you're seeing um sort of a kickback benefit from that yeah sure yeah we've got a couple of players that have come from higher tiers so it's um it's got to the point of they're playing they're getting not older in the sense of past it but older in the sense of they just can't commit to what they need to for the higher tier football so sort of come to us so yeah I think we've definitely seen the benefits of that and uh, let's bring back in Chloe Chloe how often do you train and obviously both of you will have a day job running alongside football as well tell us a bit about you first of all Chloe how often do you train and what else do you do on the side so we train once a week so we'll train on a Wednesday and obviously have our games on a Sunday work-wise I'm a trainee engineer at the minute but it runs quite nicely together and then obviously just do general fitness bits on the side when I can squeeze it in what does your work as a trainee engineer involve, Chloe? Just tell us a bit, tell us a little bit more about that. So it's for open reach. So I deal with sort of networks, help build and maintain them. So I'm climbing up those wooden poles that you see. I'm in the manhole covers on the ground. <laughs> a very active job. <laughs> I do not sit still, that's for sure. Try not to get injured, eh? <laughs> that's 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 an everyday challenge, that is. <laughs> I'm quite accident prone. So oh dear. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. This card's in tier six. Do you have to pay to play, Chloe? How does the financial side of it work for you? I don't have to pay today. We do get our like player sponsors and bits like that. So in terms of money wise, that's as much mm. as sort of goes into it. Personally, at the minute, not that I've been told, none, no money sort of come from me. Obviously, the financial side of football and women's football generally has gone up a lot higher in the most recent times as compared to back along where I'd find myself paying out more for football than day-to-day of it. When we were Callington ladies, in terms of uh, games on a Sunday, for like the men's teams, obviously you have to pay, I don't know, like five or seven pounds to get in. And for the women's, you didn't have to pay anything. You just turn up and watch. Now for the playing at Liscard, we do, they do charge for people to come and watch our games. What about you, Dawn? I'll, I'll draw on your experience here. Just in, in terms of the FA Cup, the Women's Football Fan Collective is calling for a protest at the weekend to help fight for equal prize money. That's 
that's been an issue. If we take a comparison, fourth round winners get £2,000 in the women's game compared to £90,000 in the men's game. I think it's a difficult one when you're asking for parity, but I suppose can there be more done there just in terms of making it a little bit better than it is? Yeah, I suppose it's difficult because the men's team, they bring in more money, don't they? They have a greater number of fans. So it's difficult to sort of say it should be equal because where does that money for the women's game come from, effectively? So it all it's going to probably send down to the bigger, cl- bigger clubs, bigger men clubs, to put more money into the women's clubs. Now, with, with Cheshire, of course, Cheshire men's don't have a lot of money either. So it is quite hard just to say it should be equal, it should be that, because in, in the ideal world, yeah, that, fantastic, that'd be great. But in reality, it's, it's where's that money come from? Has the amount of money that you've been able to draw upon increased? Have you had an increased interest in people wanting to sponsor the club or sponsor players? Have you found that getting easier? Or should it arguably be easier than it still is, if you see what I mean? I don't think we've struggled for a sponsor, actually, for the last few years. We um, we, we do pay subs, actually. We do pay to play still. So, yeah, we, we do pay monthly. It's not a huge amount by any means. But, yeah, and then, yeah, we did actually... Chloe was talking about the player sponsors. We did talk about that at one point, and then um, I think then it was when COVID hit, and then that kind of got put under again. So we haven't. So that's maybe something we need to think about: is individual player sponsorships because that just bring a bit more money. Um, but yeah, as, as far as the sponsor goes, I don't think we've struggled for a while for sort of the kit sponsor. Mm. Um, and also, we've got a uh, local com- printing company that sponsor our program, so they print those out every week for us, which is great. Um, so it's a nice little program um, and then again yes supporters that come in to watch they pay they have to pay to come in as well so that sort of generates a bit of money as well. I think it's good to hear that at least you are kind of financially okay and that it's not kind of a week by week or a month by month scrabble as it were. You will have to have a, a job too as well women's football will be a part-time thing for you how often do you train Dawn and what else do you get up to so I um, work in a school so I work four days a week I work Monday to Thursday and then we train on a Tuesday night and a Thursday night play our games on a Sunday then I've also got three children that I run around after (laughs) also going to be a grandma so I'm not oh congratulations but I'm probably going to be the only grandma in the league so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's, there's lots of juggling that goes on to try and try and get in play but I yeah I, I always do make sure I get to training and things because of course as the captain as well I've got to lead by examples so I've got to get there so um yeah there's a bit of juggling that goes along but I but I always manage to get there so, yeah that Busy. sounds like a feature idea for me Dawn the first the first grandma in women's football. <laughs> I don't know whether there's been any others but uh but I'm sure there aren't many of them Tell me about some of your younger players. Are you attracting younger talent? Is the pathway to young girls and teenage girls, you know, finding you, is that happening smoothly enough? And do you see a difference with some of the younger players who who do arrive at Cheshire? So, yeah, we've got quite a varied age group, actually. We don't get loads coming up through the um, system. We want to try and reintroduce, say, so we used to have a reserve team which would then feed us, would make things a bit easier. But the minute we don't have that. But yeah, we do get quite a few that come up through the through the system. Do you think the quality of the talent coming through is better? Are you able to sort of discern that at all? I just wonder how 
how sort of girls are getting taught at school, whether there's better training out there, better development, and you're starting to see some of that? Yeah, possibly. I suppose it, yeah, it all depends on how long they've been play, playing for and who's, who's coached them, I guess. Of course, if they've been at Cheshire, it's Lisa. So, yeah, I've got to say that they've been very well coached. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think, yeah, sometimes you can, you can tell. Um, and, yeah, I guess it's more accessible now women's sport uh, women's football to the girls like when I was at school we didn't have we didn't have school teams or anything like that I played for sort of a youth team and that was various age groups so it didn't go up through the age groups so um yeah as it's it's easier for people to play and train and like I say it's in schools as well now um so yeah I suppose it, it would dictate that the, the level is higher as they're coming up into senior football Chloe, back to you, um, and we'll finish up on the FA Cup action this weekend. I don't know how much you two have been keeping across the teams left in it, but um, are you going to be watching this weekend? And is there a certain team that you'll be cheering on or a certain team you've got your eye on for it? Oh, uh, I haven't been following it that much massively. Obviously, I do know about the Bridgewater and the Manu game, which I was hoping to go and see, but I've lost out on that. But I'm sure we'll be keeping up with it on Facebook or wherever they'll be showing it. Brilliant. And what about you, Dom? Um, to be honest, I haven't been keeping up with it either. <laughs> <laughs> At least we're honest. Knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You're still sore after that. How long are you going to keep going for, Dawn? Do you know? Well, I don't know. I've been saying this the last few seasons. It's kind of, yeah, this year, this year. But I kind of said I'll play until I get injured out, I stop getting picked, or I stop enjoying it. So... That's it. So we'll see, we'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> and how old are you, Dawn? Do you mind me asking? No, I'm 42. 42. You're definitely not done yet then, are you? <laughs> All right. Well, listen, it's been so lovely to speak to both of you. Good luck for the rest of the season as well. Dawn Peace, who plays, well, she's defender and captain for Chesham United and Chloe Williams, who's a striker for Liscard AFC. Thanks to both of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was Kate speaking to Lisgard AFC's Chloe Williams and Cheshire United's Dawn Peace. Come on, Sue, a quick word on on 25 seasons at Cheshire United. <laughs> that is so impressive, isn't it? And like you say, more than more than me. And, and st- is that staying at one club for 25 years as well? I think so, yeah. I think so, oh, yeah. Wow. Absolutely brilliant. Well, 32 teams are left in the competition now. There are four tier four sides in the fourth round. Still with me? Uh, There's Bridgewater Town, who played Coventry United, Exeter, who faced West Brom, Lincoln City, who played Liverpool, Newcastle United are up against Ipswich Town. Seven tier three sides in there too. And of course, the WSL matchups as well. Long list to look through. But Sue, is there a tie or two that appeals to you? Yeah, do you know, I'm really looking forward to see seeing how Coventry do away at, at Billericay. I think just because of everything that's gone on with, with Coventry City. So let's see how they do. And, and the other one that springs out is Lincoln City against Liverpool. So, uh, yeah, some interesting ties. And like you say, I'm just so glad that it's back to this year's FA Cup rather than last year's FA Cup this year, which was really confusing for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to know the difference between the leagues right now. So I'm interested in Birmingham hosting Sunderland Ladies. This is on Sunday, a one o'clock kickoff. I want to know what that gap is. Is it as much as we think? Yeah, true. And Sheffield United hosting West Ham United. 
as well. Um, interesting mm-hmm. thoughts. I do back up Sue on that one as well. Liverpool women doing so well in the championship at the moment. Uh, I wonder if that will continue in this competition too, and it will see them come up against some WSL competition, which of course will be really useful for them. Sue, we have whizzed through that. We're at the end of the show. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for having me on. That is all we have time for, I'm afraid. So the Athletic Women's Football Podcast will be back next week. You can get in touch, as always, at The Athletic UK and at Offside Rule Pod. Don't forget to download, rate and subscribe. We love your comments. I actually had some nice ones last week. So thank you in advance for those. Uh, Thank you to you, Sue. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much. Take care, guys. Well, another busy week of football coming up. Linz, I can't wait. Until next time, speak to you then. Bye-bye. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with NOW. With a NOW Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. The Athletic.